Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. And welcome to Dear Hank and John. Nor is I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast for me and my brother John. We answer your questions, we give you dubious advice, and we bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. How you doing, John? I'm doing well. It's the end of the year uh, here in the United States and in much of the world. And I have to say, I am happy that this year is ending. It's been a good year in many ways. AFC Wimbledon became a third-tier soccer mm-hmm. team, but I do not believe that I'm going to look back on 2016 either either personally or in a larger sense as the, the time of my life. I'm hoping <laughs> that 2017 will somehow manage to be better. Yes, well, um, d- don't count your chickens before the day's done hatching. Uh, I got a baby out of 2016, so that's not nothing. And uh, and, it's... and what a cute baby, by the way. Last night, Sarah was showing me pictures of your son, and he's so much cuter than our children were as infants. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the arc of history is long, and it's too soon to declare winners. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But I'm glad that we agree that we're having a competition. Uh, the, the sun, the sun came out today in Montana, which is—I uh, forgot that it existed because uh, we had not seen it in a while. And I—I I, uh, realized the reason why I didn't want to go outside for so long. It was because it was terrible. But uh, now yeah. I feel like I, I need to go. Also, I threw my back out bouncing my giant baby. Uh, he came out big, John. And he is uh, a giant. He is a large child. <laughs> and uh, I, um, yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad to be feeling that way, though I have a bunch of work to do, so I probably won't be able to do much outside stuff, which is a bummer. Also, I haven't seen Rogue One or Arrival or Fantastic Beasts or a number of other movies that have come out that I've heard are very, very good. And Can I tell you the I, two best movies of the year, in my opinion? I'm incredibly fortunate, Hank. I get uh, most of the major Oscar contenders sent to my house in DVD uh, form for free. Oh, God, I send me. I, I feel bad me. about how great it is. It is really great, and I'm very grateful to the people who do that. But anyway, uh, having watched most of the major Best Picture contenders, I have to say there are a lot of really good movies this year. But to me, far and away, the two best films of the year are Hidden Figures, uh, which is about uh, some of the African-American women who uh, did... Mm -hmm a lot of the calculations that allowed Alan Shepard to go into space uh, and Moonlight, which is 
maybe the best movie I've seen in like 10 years. I I haven't seen a movie like Moonlight in a long, long time. It's a very special film. And so uh, Rogue One is awesome. Arrival is awesome. I hope you get to see both those movies, but I really hope you get to see Hidden Figures and Moonlight. All right. Well, if, I'm, if I could suggest any, any movie to anybody this year, it would be Independence Day Resurgence. Because <laughs> I heard that one did really well. Hey, would you like a short poem for today? I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Do it, John. Hank, do you know what today's poem's about? Is it about death? No. Do you know what it's oh. called? N- is it called death? No. Do you know what it's called? No, I don't. <laughs> it's called The Chipmunk by Ogden uh- Nash. <laughs> it's about chipmunks. <laughs> I, gotta, I almost got there. I, If you had given me one more, I would have been like, is it about the Wikipedia of Chipmunks Monkopedia? No, the Great American Monkopedia poem is still yet to be written, but the Great American <laughs> Chipmunk poem has been written. It was written by Ogden Nash, and it goes like this. My friends all know that I am shy, but the chipmunk is twice as shy as I. He moves with flickering indecision like stripes across the television. He's like the shadow of a cloud, or Emily Dickinson read aloud. Yet his ultimate purpose is obvious, very, to get back to his chip monastery. <laughs> the Chipmunk by Ogden Nash, America's great chipmunk poem. You're oh, welcome. Oh man, it makes it makes me think that that uh, chipmunks uh, are called chipmunks because they build giant buildings out of potato chips, <laughs> and, and they worship chips. Um, yeah, you know Ogden Nash, Hank. He's also responsible for such uh, clever couplets as "Candy sure, is yeah. dandy, but liquor is quicker." Correct. Though that is not actually accurate because no matter how much candy you eat, you ain't going to get drunk. That's true. That's a good point. Um, Hank, let's answer some questions from our listeners. That sounds like a fine idea. Uh, though, though, do you not want to point out that the, the Monkopedia Twitter tweeted at us to let us know that we had gotten some facts wrong about Simon's glasses? I, listen, if we spend the rest of the podcast correcting all the mistakes that we made about Simon's Glasses, uh, this is going to become a full-time Simon's Glasses podcast. We need to get to the questions from our listeners. We had the chipmunk callback. It was beautiful. It was brilliant. We need to move on. <laughs> okay. Okay, John. Our first question is from Sarah, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I was thinking about Hank's icebreaking question, What's Your Favorite Bridge?, uh, which I stand by, and I was trying to come up with my own unusual question to pose to new acquaintances. I have finally come up with my own out-of-the-box question, so I pose this query to you. If you were a ghost, what building would you haunt? Think about it carefully, because no one knows if ghosts are allotted two weeks vacation per year, 40-hour work week. You will be expected to work overtime indefinitely. Happy haunting, Sarah. Have you thought about this question, John, or, or, or should I go first? You can go first. I do have an answer. Uh, I, I would like to uh, haunt the Haunted Mansion at Disney World. Oh, that's just a terrible idea. <laughs> Why not? Everybody's like, oh, it's so spooky. And then I'll be like, no, I'm for real. Hi, I'm Hank. I was famous on the internet back back in the, the early 2000s. I mean, here's my issue with that, Hank. On a practical level... Do you really want to haunt a building where the exact same thing happens all day long, <laughs> eight minutes after eight minutes after eight minutes you know, John, for eternity? I mean, that's as close to hell as you can possibly get without being in hell. 
Well, I, you know, it's changed over the years a little bit. And I, uh, I like the idea of, I, I'm just a people watcher. I enjoy looking at people. And I like the idea of seeing the sort of the changing demographics of the haunted mansion over the millennia. Uh, that there's this consistency in the, 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 uh, in the building itself and in the experience. But a difference in the people who attend and the experiences that they have based on their own, their own life experience. I, uh, th- I think that that has a lot going for it. Also, you know, I don't want to scare people too bad. So I kind of wanted to be ready to be haunted. I mean, what's so interesting to me about your answer is that my answer is is very nearly the opposite answer, uh, <laughs> which is as follows. The most remote island uh, atoll in the world is called Suwaro, uh, and it's uh, in the South Pacific. Of course about you know that. Halfway between South America and Australia. Uh, truly in the middle of nowhere, extremely hard to get to. And this guy, Tom Neal, lived alone uh, in, a, in the single building uh, on Anchorage Island in that atoll uh, for like 30 years in two separate trips. He lived there <laughs> once alone for 17 years where he was visited like 10 times by yachts and other people traveling over the course of that 17 years. And then he went back for like a, another decade plus uh, and he ended up uh, <laughs> almost dying on the island. But uh, when he had stomach cancer, he got brought back to the Cook Islands for treatment. And he died there. So anyway, there is a single building on you the island, want- <laughs> uh, on the on Anchorage Island in this Suwaro Atoll. Uh, and that is the building that I would like to haunt because I would be living, uh, insofar as, you know, you're living after you're dead, uh, in a beautiful, beachy, incredible, great weather, just everything perfect. And best of all, I would be alone. So I wouldn't have to haunt anyone. You know what, John? I honestly thought that you were going to say your own house. Uh, but that before you died, if you knew you were going to be a ghost, you'd say, I'm going to haunt my house. And also it's going to be held in, in, in forever trust by this, this, Mm -hmm. uh, this, you know, some kind of, uh, some kind of, I don't know what, what kind of financial institution would just own your house forever, but that, and then you would just continue to haunt your own home forever because you do like it at home. Yeah. I mean, that's appealing, except I don't want to spend eternity in Indianapolis. (laughs) (laughs) You got another question, John? I do. This question comes from Allie, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm very confused by the U.S. government deficit. Well, I'm glad you've come to your favorite advice podcast, Allie. Great choice. (laughs) Everyone on the left keeps saying the deficit is going down, while everyone on the right says it is going up. Please help shed some light on this topic. Well, I think that the— Well, Allie. Yeah. I, I think the problem is the word going. We just—we're no no good at words, uh, and we sure do like to obfuscate— one of my favorite words. Uh, I don't actually think that's the problem because the deficit is only going in one direction, which is down. It's just that it's still much greater than zero, which means that it is uh, continuing to add to the overall size of the national debt, which is going up and has gone up, you know, pretty consistently for like 35 years. Um Yep. The budget deficit has gone down every John, year. John, I think uh, the, the thing you need, to, you need to explain is what is the deficit, because, because it is confusing the difference between the debt and the deficit. Okay, great. Yeah, so the, the deficit is the uh, difference between the amount of money that the federal government spends on roads and bridges and prisons and schools and whatever else, and the amount of money it takes in, uh, mostly in the form of taxes. Uh, and, in in and, any and, given year, in a, right. in a year. Right. In any given year. Uh, So 
you know, if we spend a trillion dollars, uh, but we only take in $900 billion, we would have a $100 billion uh, deficit. In fact, we spend and take in much more than that. But anyway, so uh, the debt is the overall amount of uh, money that the U.S. government owes. Weirdly, a lot of the money that the U.S. government owes, it owes to itself, uh, which is a little bit different from how, like, you know, household debt functions. Uh, but also a mm. lot of it is held by individuals who purchase government bonds or T-bills. Uh, and then a lot of it is also held by foreign governments. Um, but we also own a lot of foreign government debt. It's a little complicated, but the deficit is the amount of money that we are uh, coming up short each year in our budget. And the debt is the overall, like, size of our outstanding obligations, Um as a, as a yep. government, right? So uh, the deficit has gone down every year since 2011. Uh, it has gone down again this year. So when you hear people, so when you hear people on the left saying the deficit is going down, that's true. When you hear people on the right say the deficit is going up, they're probably actually saying that the debt is going up, which is also true. Uh, as usual, it's complicated, and it really depends on your perspective, whether the size of our debt... Oh, let, let me say one other thing, Hank. The only other thing I want to say is that smart people with PhDs in economics disagree about how much debt is safe to have, um, and I do not know the answer to that question. And I think neither does anyone. Uh, really. I think that there is an amount which is too much, and there is an amount which is too little. Uh, but there is, uh, a lot, uh, yeah. There is an amount that is too little, and there is an amount that's too much. The problem with the amount that's too much is that you don't really know until you hit it. Mm -hmm. And once you hit it, it is almost impossible to do anything <laughs> yeah. uh, to stop a debt spiral that the level of catastrophe that that would involve is genuinely unimaginable. Let's move on to another question. This one comes from Barbara who writes, okay. John and Hank, as I am a working mom of two, I rarely have time to myself, so I have started to consume social media and YouTube videos mainly on the toilet or in the tub. Since then, I've been wondering how YouTubers feel about people uh, taking them to these places. Are you okay with it, or would you rather fans wouldn't do that? Uh, I don't need to know necessarily, but you can consume my content wherever you like. I, I, yeah, that's how I feel too, Barbara. As long as you're watching ads. <laughs> as long uh, as no, you, I'm just kidding. <laughs> as long as you don't have an ad blocker on your toilet phone. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's very hard to be. Uh, it's so hard to be a working parent. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to find time for yourself, for the media that you like. Uh, and if the toilet is the place for that, I'm totally cool with it. Thank you for including me in your life. However you do it. Here's another question, John. It's from RJ. Dear Hank and John, I am a freshman. Finals are coming, and I am a burned-out candle. How do I get a nice little reset that I need so I can successfully cram all the information I need for the tests? Thank you for sharing your advice on how to deal with stress and general candle feelings. All right, RJ. We're going to take... Just take right now. We're going to have... Let's look. Let's, let's, let's hold it down. It's, a lot of, it's oftentimes a lot of energy here on Dear Hank and John, but for you, we're going to take it down a notch. Going to chill out a little bit, and we're just going to say, RJ, you're doing good. You're doing fine. You're working hard. You care. Um, you're passionate. You, you know that you need to work hard, and you're going to work. You're going to do that hard work. Um, and then you're going to take a couple breaths with me. You're just going to go in, 
I have to go, go keep going in, 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 and out, out. Take it, yeah, nice long breath. Nice, now get back to work, RJ. <laughs> that is exactly what Hank does. He allows himself three breaths, and then he starts <laughs> screaming at himself again. Uh, I'm going to have slightly uh, different advice, which is that okay, if you feel like a burnt-out candle... Uh, you need two things, right? You need some wax uh, so that you can, like, <laughs> refill the candle. And then you need a source of, of light, mm-hmm. like a, a spark. Or you need... Like, basically, RJ, yeah, I, mean, I think what you need to do is go to Target and buy some paraffin wax and a lighter. And you're going to be back in business. <laughs> oh, that's such great advice, John. I, I should never I should never even try to answer these questions. I know. Uh, do, you, do you want to give us another question? I know. God, I mean, we've been doing this for a year and a half, Hank, and I finally feel like we're properly, properly dubious. Like, we've finally gotten bad. <laughs> we were never good at podcasting, but this is the first time when I felt like we've been genuinely bad. This question comes from Anonymous, who writes, Dear John and Hank, my brother's birthday is coming up, and I am stumped as to what to get him. He's turning 21, and I just got him the dad's podcast perk from the Project for Awesome Indiegogo, but I feel like it's necessary to get him something to go along with it. He listens to Dear Hank and John, so ideally don't mention my name or anything. You can call me whatever you please. Hmm. Mm. All right, Francine, listen up. The number one thing you should have done was let us know in your question what your brother's name is so that we could wish him a happy birthday. Also, Hank, can we go back to RJ's question and just acknowledge that finals are over? And so whatever piece of advice we gave RJ (laughs) is completely useless. That just occurred to me. But like that's in the past now. That's a great point. As like as yeah. is this person's uh, 21st I'm sorry, birthday, RJ. I'm sure, Francine's brother. Uh, if you recently had a 21st birthday and you love the pod, maybe uh, your sibling <laughs> wishes you a happy birthday from us. But maybe not. We have no way of telling because the question is from Anonymous and uh, they did not list your name. Um, so so I, 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 I kind of, is it, is your uh, 21-year-old brother a recent father or, or did you just get him the fatherhood podcast because... Like, you didn't tell us anything about this guy. We need to know something. Yeah, I feel very underinformed about Francine's brother. Yeah. Uh, if he's a recent father, I can tell you what, what you should what you should acquire, uh, because the only thing that is necessary uh, is, uh, is, is blankets, uh, things to mop things up with. Just washcloths, towels, uh, cloths. Oh, yeah. Just everything is covered yeah. in sticky, and, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure that... Uh, that I've got like a like a thin film of spit up and poop covering my entire body, despite the fact that I literally just got out of the shower. Not literally. I mean, you've been podcasting for several. Well, just minutes. is subjective, John. Well, then why add the literally? My hair is still wet. To call attention to <laughs> the just. <justice laughs> my hair of it. is still wet. I can pot in the shower, John. You don't know. I, I, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> You know what I'm thinking right now, Hank, to be totally honest with you? I'm thinking that we need to go back to Monkopedia for yep. some inspiration because this is weak sauce. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so obviously, uh, chipmunks paraphernalia uh, is good for anyone of any age, of any gender, of any nationality. Oh my god, I have to tell you something related to chipmunks oh. paraphernalia. Two things, actually. First, uh, a couple days ago, you tweeted with a picture of a glass of an Alvin and the Chipmunks glass that you had, and you were like, this is my Alvin and the Chipmunks glass. I can't believe I didn't bring it up earlier. And you and I both know that that is my Alvin and the Chipmunks glass from our shared You know, childhood. John, I don't, I don't know that that's true because I had one that I got from home and then I bought a set. I bought the other two on eBay. So I'm not sure if it was Theodore that we had or uh-huh. if it was Alvin and Simon. It may have been Alvin, in which case... This is in just which another case I have example of like, similar to how you sold my baseball cards on eBay. It is just another example <laughs> of how when I leave the house for five seconds... You assume that all of my possessions suddenly belong to you. Anyway, secondly, the other thing I forgot to mention about Alvin and the Chipmunks is that my children, whom I love, uh, have recently acquired three animatronic chipmunks, Alvin, Simon, and Theodore, uh, dressed as Santas. Mm. And you push a button and they sing like at least nine minutes of Christmas carols and what the kids do because... I don't like they have a different relationship with sensation than I do is they push all three buttons. So Alvin, Simon and Theodore are singing competing Christmas carols at each other in chipmunk voices while the music is clashing and the kids are jumping up and down and screaming and singing along to this song and that song. And like the level of sensory input is such that like a man could wish to become a ghost haunting Anchorage (laughs) Island in Suwaro. Um, uh, so, so a couple of things to add to our chipmunk conversation. One, I said that I had bad news regarding the Alvin glass. It, it's gone. It it perished. Uh, secondly, did you know, I found this out uh, as doing a little bit of research, that Alvin and the chipmunks are actually hamsters. No. <laughs> no way. Yes, the actors who play Alvin and the chipmunks are hamsters. <laughs> There are no actors. It's what? Do you, uh, it's an animated television program. There is. It can't be, like what actors? The actors who play them. <laughs> There's are hamsters. They're uh, they work cheaper. They're they're less expensive. <laughs> did you did you read this at Snopes.com? <laughs> and did it say false as the first word of no, the story? I'm- what do you mean the actors are hamsters? It, which to, which which actors are I you referring to? I read it in the to? onion in my brain. I have I have a brain onion. <laughs> it's just fake stories that my brain has. It's like not as funny yeah. as the real uh-huh. onion. Um but it's always delivering. <laughs> okay, can we really quickly before we get back to okay. questions from our listeners, can we swap all-time favorite onion headlines? Oh, uh probably not. Cuz oh, really? I don't like store onion headlines in my brain. Oh, I do. I do. I, I, I have like I have like a top thirty. <laughs> okay, so it, it's if it's possible that we've done enough chipmunk stuff, we should answer another question. Okay, yeah. Let's 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 move on away from chipmunks. Okay, this question is from Anna, <clears throat> and I know that it's Anna because it says at the end of this, it says Anna like the princess. So oh Anna man, says, if I could ha- just correct you really quickly. Um, oh, how my is how is it daughter? Uh, mm. She dresses up as Princess Anna almost every day. She either dresses up as Princess Elsa or Princess Anna every day. Mm-hmm. And whenever I look at her and she's dressed in her Princess Anna costume, I always say, Princess Anna of Arendelle, it's so nice to see you. And do you know what Alice says? What? She says, I'm going to have to get away from the microphone. 
to recreate Alice's voice because she does not speak. She only screams. And this is what she says. It's Anna, daddy. <laughs> is it? And I'm always like, well, not, I mean, not in the movies. In the, in the movie, it's Princess Anna. Um, and then she just, I'll, I'll be like, Alice, I think it, I think it is actually Anna. It's Anna, daddy. <laughs> wow. I've got some things to look forward to. Uh, Anna you asks, you do. Dear Hank and John, I would very much like to be a kind person. I believe and hope that kindness is a choice rather than an innate talent. But for all my trying, I feel I am very bad at it. I am not very emotionally intelligent, and while I have strong general feelings about kindness, I'm not clear on the exact details of what it entails. I don't know how. Could you please give me some practical advice on how to be genuinely kind to people? Kind regards, Anna, like the princess. That's a great. Uh, that's a great sign-off. Kind regards. It's almost as good mm, as in yeah, haste. Yeah, especially with a quote. Yeah, there was some. There was some quotation marks for for kind. The kind regards. Oh, I didn't even get the pun. I'm not very clever. Uh, mm. I don't know, Hank. You're kinder than I am, so maybe you should answer this question. You highlighted this question, so I thought you had a good answer. But I'll I'll take a go. Um, it's it's a it is definitely a muscle that that gets stronger with flexing. Um, it is also. It requires a great deal of of giving of the the benefit of the doubt um, and assuming that people are basically good and uh, and also realizing that when you feel as if you are the uh, you know at the short end of the world's stick that there is a lot of bias that goes into that um, and I say this as a person who is at the at the longest end of the world's stick. Um, but the uh, and I and I really do think that like that has helped me be a kinder person. That like I have had lots of really great experiences and, and have been around a lots of really good people. But um, it, it, to to me, it is it is about exercising thoughtfulness and empathy, and also taking time to like consider the interactions you've had that day and whether whether you in the end had a positive impact on the people that you interacted with. Um, and that doesn't have to be like, oh, they thought that I was so cool and funny because that's like ego feeding. It's like, did they feel better after they were hanging out with you, after they spent time with you? That's to me what what you're going for and what kindness is kind of about uh, is how can I interact with people in a way that they feel better afterward? Um, because that's the only way that everybody's going to feel better in the end. Right. Oh, but that is very hard to do practically. Um, sometimes be, when yeah. I'm struggling with a virtue or trying to work on something in my own life, it helps to reframe it into language, like into different language sometimes. So I often try to think of kindness as generosity. Like, is there a way that I could be more generous in my responses to people, in my daily interactions, in my professional relationships, in my personal relationships? And the answer is almost always you know, yes, there are lots of ways that I could very <laughs> straightforwardly and easily be more generous. So that's what I need to be uh, doing. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I agree that it's it's something that gets better um, the more you do it. Uh, it is very hard practically uh, to be kind because practically most of the time you respond or I respond, and I think most people respond um, to anger with anger or 
to frustration with frustration, it's almost impossible to respond to anger with generosity. But if you can flip that script, there's a great episode of Invisibilia about this. If you can flip that script, it can be sort of miraculous. Uh, and I've had people flip that script on me when I've had been having such a bad day. Like I recently made a video about uh, this woman named Carmen, who when I didn't get to see Hamilton and I was completely devastated, totally flipped the script on me and reminded me of all the great things in my life and the fact that I've got the basics covered. And when people can do that for you, it's such a gift. Um, and so I think noticing generosity in your own life can maybe also help you reflect it back to other people. Right. And there's also something to be said for like, if, if you, uh, if, if like, it's very hard to respond to anger or frustration with kindness, but it's easier to respond to indifference with kindness. Yeah. Um, and so just doing something nice to someone who like, otherwise you maybe wouldn't have had an interaction with at all. Um, and like feeling the feeling that that gives you. And also like, I, th I really think that it, th there is a lot to be said for spending a little bit of time thinking about what happened that day and the things that you did, the interactions that you had and like how you could have done them better. I don't think that like it can be really hard to find time to do that with. Um, and also it, it can, it's really important to not try and have that time be the moments before you go to sleep because that can cause a good deal of insomnia. But like giving yourself a little bit of space to be like, it, um, like if you can write that stuff down, like journal writing or, or blogging or whatever, um, because I have a, it's so hard for me to, to, uh, think all of the th thoughts that I need with the space that's in my head and having a piece of paper or a blank screen lets me have a little bit more like RAM, like space in which to think and like go back and see, but I was just thinking this, but I had forgotten that I'd been thinking that kind of thing. And, and self-reflection is very important and, and we have less and less space for it in our lives right now. And I think that it's a really big part of kindness um, and also practice especially practice uh, talking to strangers and being kind to strangers because a lot of times like it can just be anxiety inducing and it's taken me 35 years to be able to do it without being like, oh God, I did I, am I gonna screw this up? Uh, did I say 35? Cause I'm 36 years old. Yeah, I was gonna correct you, but that wouldn't have been very kind <laughs> of me. <laughs> you know, in a somewhat related, uh, but mostly tangential thing, uh, every year Sarah and I write two letters. We write a letter, um, back to ourselves at the beginning of the year about everything oh, wow. that happened that year. And, you know, mm. I go back and look through my Google calendar and through the videos that mm -hmm. we made and through lots of other stuff to talk about what happened that year, what went well, what, what went poorly, what were the unexpected challenges. And then we write a letter um, to our kind of like selves at the end of that year outlining our goals and priorities and what we want to focus on this year. And that's been so helpful. Like of everything I've ever done in my life, that's like gross and therapy-ish. Uh, and and I, I, I do a lot of that stuff, even though I dislike it because it works. Uh, of all that stuff, that's been the thing that's most helpful <laughs> is looking back, celebrating accomplishments yeah. and the journey that you've had over the last year. And then also looking forward and making uh, you know, achievable uh, goals that are well-defined and, you know, it's really worked for us. That's a great, that's a great, uh, great idea. Uh, I think that that's a really practical uh, and like 
achievable thing that, you know, once a year and we have more time around the holidays often to do that kind of thing. Not everybody, but. Um, Poof. Yeah. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. Truly spoken like somebody who just became a father. <laughs> right now, my child needs very little from me. Um, mostly cuddles. Uh, so, anywho. Yeah, no. It's in a way, parenting an infant is the hardest because, oh my God, it's so hard. But in another way, it's so straightforward. All they need is, all they need is cuddles and occasional, like, uh, food. And diaper changes. Actually, now that I think about it, I it, it is really hard. This is this is way more fun. Once they can talk to you and read Harry Potter <laughs> books, it's so much so much more fun. Yeah, we started to have been able to have like some some interactions with Oren where it feels like we do something and he responds, and it's like that's so cool. Like in a positive way. Well, I could I could always make him cry if I needed to, uh, which sounds like an awful thing. Why did I say that? Uh, yeah. So, so uh, let me explain myself. Sometimes he falls asleep and he needs to continue eating. I have cold hands most of the time because it's Montana and it's the winter. And I will put my hand on his head so that he will wake up a little bit. And I'm like, well, I can I can at least make I can. You will respond to negative stimulus. But now he will respond to positive stimulus. Right. And that's like, oh, neat. So I apologize for making it oh, sound man. like. Seeing the pictures of him smiling are just they're just they just make me melt inside. Uh, which reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by babies. <laughs> babies. They're quite a lot of work. Yes, indeed. Today's podcast was also brought to you by the paraffin and lighters section at your local Target department store, which is not what they call Targets. I don't know why. I, that's what they're doing now. They're calling them department stores. I changed my mind. There's departments and it's a store. Your local par- Target department store, it has a department just for unburning out your candles with paraffin and lighters.com. And of course, today's podcast is also brought to you by the Haunted Mansion ride at Disney World. The Haunted Mansion <laughs> ride at Disney World. So fun that apparently Hank wants to spend eternity there. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by the chipmunk glass that we got probably at a fast food restaurant in the 1980s that John and I apparently yeah. still co-own. Mm, I mean, I would say that it's mine because it is, but it is currently in your house. What? what? How is it yours? It is mine. How is it, it yours? It is mine if for no other reason than you have without permission or consultation, taken it from our ancestral home and put it in your home uh, rather than consulting with Mm. me about who cares more about that chipmunk glass, which is obviously me since I just made my annual pledge to Monkopedia, the number one chipmunk Wikipedia source on the internet. (laughs) Okay, John. I actually did First it, and I all, know that now the Monkopedia editors are listening, and they're probably like, where's that donation check? Listen up, Monkopedia. If you're a registered 501c3, contact me about a small, very small, <laughs> extremely small donation, and I will I will hook you up um, if and only if Hank returns that glass to me. Oh, wow, wow, added. wow. Now we're, now we're, now we're so getting really, into the Monkopedia, things. So really, Monkopedia, if you don't get a check from me, that's on Hank. Okay. Uh, well, I... I will say that I cared enough to take these glasses that were probably from Wendy's and were definitely from 1985 and get the other two so that I could have a complete set. Well, I mean, I would love to have even one of the three, but unfortunately, well, the, that opportunity was denied. It turns out there were four. There's, there, there's in, in true, uh, in true, uh, you know, um, 
1985 American fashion. There's one for one for Alvin, one for Simon, one for Theodore, and one for all three of the chipettes. <laughs> they have to share a cup. You know what I just uh, discovered, <sighs> Hank? And uh, this is this is a surprise what? to me. Those 1985, that full set of the 1985 uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, Wendy's glasses mm-hmm. are available on eBay for mm, $12. Yeah, no, they were not expensive. So maybe I should stop whining and just put that $12 out into the world and enjoy the glasses that, by the way, Sarah would never <laughs> let into our kitchen cabinets. <laughs> I'm really disturbed by the fact that it, it it appears more and more like these chipmunks glasses are from Hardee's. Mm, that doesn't seem possible. When did possible. we ever I don't go think to, I went to Hardee's when I was a child? No, I don't know that we had them. Oh man, you know what's most distressing about Hardee's, Hank, is that their CEO is going to be our next labor secretary. So we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name brand Dr. Pepper. The off-brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your health. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. And the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash Dear Hank. Let's move on to a question from our (laughs) listeners. Okay. This question comes from Brooke, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm a parent to three children. My oldest is in second grade, and yesterday her teacher contacted me to let me know that she's been bullying another student. I was and still am in shock. What can I do to help her understand that bullying is not acceptable? I want to stop this behavior before it gets any worse and make sure that my other two children don't follow a similar path. I was bullied as a child and could give advice for days on how to deal with that, but I'm at a loss at how to deal with the other side of this awful coin. Uh, Well, first of all, I have to thank you for the question and also for taking it seriously. There is a problem where a lot of parents will hear that their child uh, from from a school or uh, in some other way that their child has been bullying people and and automatically look for reasons why it wasn't their child's fault or, uh, or, you know, indeed the child probably has reasons why it wasn't their fault, even if it's a second grader. Uh, People are really good at explaining all of their actions, even if they are unkind. Um, So thank you. And uh, and and we call a lot of attention to like the the difficulties of the people who are being bullied, but they're you know the, the way. And you might say to, to like the person who's doing the bullying, why don't you just stop doing that? Um, and 
you know, like the the only people who can stop the bullying are the people doing the bullying. And so we need to figure them out and understand that and f- also figure out how to like have good conversations with them. Um, I am, my child is two months old, so I have no idea uh, practically, but I, I think that it, it, I have managed humans. They are not uh, second graders. So take this with the, all of the grains of salt. But I, uh, I I would say that you like you have to do your best to understand the situation, the particular situation, and so you can talk about that particular practical situation. Whether you're able to talk about that with the teacher who called you or even some of the other children involved, that would be really great so that you can have a frank conversation with your child about like what they did, why they did it, and why it was wrong. And uh, like this isn't something that's necessarily like going to come naturally like empathy is hard and it's a complicated process and um and i we all mess up like no one correctly interprets fairness 100 percent of the time sometimes we think that what someone has done to us is disproportionate to what we did to them when in fact it wasn't and sometimes we don't realize that our reaction to someone else was extraordinarily disproportionate especially if we are a second grader so um i i think that there is that it's a chance to have a, maybe a little bit difficult conversation, but a conversation um, about how to be kind to people and to think about them in a more complex way. And that's going to be a, like a lifelong learning experience for your child, just like it was for you, just like it was for everyone. But I think that you clearly um, have cut, like have come out of this, like are coming at this from a compassionate place. You uh, need to be an example of compassion for your children, but like that's not always going to be everything. You also have to create those moments for talking and reflecting about that stuff. I just hit my microphone. I'm sorry. Um, and then, of course, if, if this behavior continues, there are like places you can go, people you can talk to. Um, and there's a Stop, the Stop Bullying Now website is a really good website uh, where you can read things that are from people who are experts and are not just podcasters who mostly talk about chipmunks and death. Yes, I agree, especially with the last... Um the last thing that you said, but in general, I think that was uh, great advice. Um, I mean, dubious, but for you, good. <laughs> John, uh, John, do you know that the the uh, the Eastern Chipmunk of the United States uh, only lives about three years bef- before dying? Well, I mean, you can say that the Eastern Chipmunk of the United States only lives about three years before dying, but I think we all know that uh, Simon and the Chipmunks are eternal. Hank, it's time to move on. Uh, <laughs> I like that you just put Simon in charge of the chipmunks. You're like, Simon's in charge now. Yeah, it's no more Alvin. Now it's it's Simon's show. <laughs> it's Simon and, to a lesser extent, Alvin and Theodore. That is my understanding of the way it's going to work from here on out. Now that uh, we have totally changed <laughs> the history of the Chipmunks franchise via our podcast. Hank, let us move on now to the all-important news from mm-hmm. Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Oh, gosh, I don't even know where to, where to start. While I was gone, so much happened on Mars that it is difficult. To... No, did it? There was just all kinds of radical changes. <laughs> Shut up! It's unbelievable. You, you, I, mean, I mean, it's a vastly different place than it was two weeks the, ago. The big news right now is about these geographical formations that, uh, that happen in the, the polar region uh, where they're, they're basically, it, it appears like some kind of carbon dioxide erosion, and they they come in like they form in these like spider webby looking things and they're they they're they have called them colloquially the spiders and people uh right now today the day we're recording this are kind of freaking out and they're like the spiders the spiders on mars like like ziggy stardust uh which is indeed uh but but the thing that i uh, didn't get to talk about that is just so cool so cool 
while I w- was on paternity leave is that Curiosity, driving across the surface of Mars, it's like, boop-a-doop, I'm awesome robot on Mars. And it, they spot on the ground a weird-looking rock. And it turns out that they have found on the surface of Mars this foreign planet that we have covered, like we have looked at, you know, tiny, tiny percent of a percent of a percent of. And uh, it, it comes across what is a meteorite, a piece of space junk that fell to the surface of Mars, like a fraction of a of a meteorite. It like like the kind of thing that would be extraordinarily rare to find here on Earth, easier to find on Mars because there's less geological process or less, you know, I guess geological process covering those things up. Um, uh, but uh, they they were able to like take a look at it. It's a it you know a meteorite on the surface of Mars. So like a a piece like a like on this foreign planet, there is another a, a piece of rock that is foreign to that foreign planet, and we were able to take a pretty dope picture of it and study it and learn something about its composition, which is that it's a pretty common type of meteorite, and uh, and then move on and be like, wait, we can come back to that whenever we actually when, when, when some humans are here, and they could be like, ah, this is that that thing that the first meteorite ever found on Mars. We can put it in a museum, and I believe in humanity is what I'm trying to say. Well, that all sounds very promising. Uh, I'm glad that there are meteorites on Mars and that Curiosity has found them. And I hope that humans do go back to that place and pick up that meteorite and bring it home to Earth uh, as soon as 2029. <laughs> I think uh, I think the museum's going to be on Mars, John. Well, uh, that is not out of the question, as long as it's uh, in 2028 <laughs> or later. Uh, Hank, AFC Wimbledon, after losing uh, to Milton Keynes in a difficult mm, loss, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely pummeled Ooh. Port Vale, one of those uh, English towns that sounds like a made-up place. Port Vale uh, lost that game 4-0. They could have lost 8-0. Their goalkeeper had an extremely good game, uh, as much as you can in a 4-0 loss. Uh, uh, and it was just, uh, it was. I mean... The thing this season, Hank, in in League One, where everybody expected all the preseason picks, where AFC Wimbledon was going to finish last or second to last, they were definitely going to get relegated back down to League Two. Uh, I mean, right now they're in ninth, uh, almost were uh, almost exactly halfway through the season. Uh, Dom Polian scored his twelfth goal uh, of the season during that win. Uh, AFC Wimbledon, they've looked not great defensively at times. But, man, they look good going up front. Like, uh, Tom Elliott scored. Uh, Lyle Taylor started that game, uh, got to got to play and had a big impact. Uh, Tyrone Barnett scored a goal. It's just really, really good performance. And AFC Wimbledon have scored more goals than almost any team in League One this season. They are just flying offensively. Uh, and it's, you know, I mean... It, halfway through the season in ninth place like I think the goal is definitely still to avoid relegation you need 52 points uh on average from previous seasons if you get 52 points you'll probably almost well almost definitely escape relegation uh right now AFC Wimbledon has 32 points so they're 20 they they would need only 20 points from their last 24 games uh to ensure another season in league one but why not dream at this point? You know, uh, only three points out of the last playoff position, uh, almost halfway into the season. Pretty extraordinary stuff uh, from AFC Wimbledon. Congratulations to that sports team. They are the best. 
They are the best. That was my favorite thing about 2016, Hank, uh, being able to go straight from the 100th running of the Indy 500 uh, to see AFC Wimbledon win at Wembley with our dad and Rosiana and my friend Stuart and Meredith. It was just magical. What was your favorite part of 2016, Hank? It's going to be a tough call for you, but I'm going to encourage you to pick the birth of your child. (laughs) They can make go with that. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's certainly something to do with the child. The birth was, I, I don't know if I can call it favorite, because boy, was it a lot. It was right. it, pretty intense. And uh, yeah. uh, But the, uh, the existence of my child is definitely my favorite part. Well, I hope that uh, 2017 brings even more uh, wonderful things uh, into the world for you personally and for all of the listeners out there. We're going to take a couple weeks off. Uh, here at the beginning of the year to celebrate the holiday and also uh, to work on some other stuff. But we'll be back soon. You won't even notice that we're gone. I'm trying to work to work together uh, with some with some helpers to get a best of 2016 episode of Dear Hank and John up. So hopefully that will come into your iTunes box or wherever you get podcasts uh, sometime during the holiday season. Uh, Catherine and I are going to record an episode together, so be looking out for that one as well. Oh, so maybe we aren't going to take any weeks off. You're just going to have guest hosts. Hank, what did we learn today? John, we learned that it's Anna! (laughs) We learned that somebody had a 21st birthday, and we wish them a very happy birthday, even though we don't quite know who they are. We learned the difference between the U.S. government deficit and the U.S. government debt. Because that's what happens on advice podcasts. And of course, we learned that it is okay with YouTubers if you watch YouTubers on the toilet. Poop away, my friends. Or pee. Whatever. Just <laughs> whatever. <laughs> that's your business. Whatever's coming out. That's your. That's right. That's absolutely correct. Uh, finally, uh, I apologize to everybody whose cookies burned during this podcast. John, take us out. Oh, my God. It's burning. Uh, you can email us at hankandjohn at gmail.com. That's the place to send your questions. Or use the hashtag DearHankAndJohn on the Twitter where you can follow us. Uh, I'm John Green. Hank is Hank Green. Dear Hank and John is produced by Rosiana Hulse Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our editor is Nicholas Jenkins. Victoria Bongiorno is our head of community and communications. We should say that you can always find lots of great stuff, including an opportunity to donate to Dear Hank and John at patreon.com slash DearHankAndJohn. Our music is by the great Gunnarola. Thank you so much to Gunnarola for providing the theme music. Hank, thanks for another great year of potting. And as we say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to, to be awesome. awesome.